Boom. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Joe podcast with myself, Nolte, and my co-host, Jaxie. Hope you're all keeping well. We nearly didn't make it this week due <laughs> to FPL for one reason or another. So we're lucky to have a podcast this week. Hopefully we can give more suggestions to help you get the win. Jaxie wasn't as fortunate this week. I had Saka vice-captain, so we were in the horrors for a day or two. And with a day or two break, we are back and ready to go. We needed the couple of days break. I think uh, I said to you on Sunday or yesterday, it's like we need to do the, the podcast on Tuesday. Instead of doing the prep on Monday, I still need some more time to clear my head and uh, let this rest. The, dust, the dust settle. A hundred percent, man. And I think it's it's different since you're doing content because you're looking at it literally seven days a week. Um, so you kind of have to step away for yeah. literally a day or two. What did I say to yesterday? I'm going to go watch the sunset. So watch the sunset, de-stress, <laughs> yeah. and come back for game week 17. So it is a Friday deadline this week, uh, and then we have a Wednesday deadline, the 20th of December. This is for the waivers, and then a Monday deadline. So kind of quickly comes into the Christmas period. And although there's an awful lot of games over a quick succession, the deadlines are a small bit further apart this week compared to the last week. So with a tiny bit more time, to assess things and and players I suppose to get rests that's the main thing just a quick point before we kind of get into it we are nearly at the tail end of the T12 and it's kind of a little promotion for half seasons because right now it's amped up in a couple of our leagues the T12 especially and some of the players were dropping off the waiver and looking towards are literally just for the next couple of game weeks and then we get to redraft again. So if you haven't played half seasons before, I would highly recommend it because you kind of get the buzz of the draft twice and then the end of season. I'm playing one where it's 38 game weeks and it's great crack because I get to look at kind of longer term holes. But like I'm kind of taking a back step at it currently because I'm like, I have to focus on the last four or five game weeks of this and then I look towards that again. Yep. So if you haven't played double game weeks or double seasons, I suppose, 19 and 19, highly recommend it because... You get that thrill twice in a season. Yeah, these last few game weeks have been... It's been like shit or bust. Yeah. You're you're looking at players to get in just for one week to try get that win because between top and maybe four position in the T12, so 12 people in your league, there may only be six to nine points. So you have a very high chance of finishing first or second based on your results in the last few game weeks. So it's, it is very shit or bust and it's very exciting. Yeah, highly, highly recommend for anyone. So if you haven't, again, heard about the T12, this week I finish work on Wednesday, so I'll be head down for the T12, getting everyone's name names in. If you haven't, the link to the sign-up is in the description of the podcast. So hit that um, sign-up sheet and get as many people in as possible, and hopefully you can experience all the crack that we're currently experiencing in the T12. If you are a relatively new listener and you're hearing about the T12 and wondering what it is or just learning about the draft episodes 2, 3 and 4 of our podcast series go in depth on how to set up the draft different and uh, different drafting strategies as well so if you do want to take a check at those earlier episodes they are some of our most listened to episodes as well so there is some very good content there that it can get you up to speed on all things draft yeah so even if you are starting the draft literally in the second half game week 21 where we're starting the T12 if you listen to them, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have enough knowledge to know what's going on, and then just learn over the next, you know, 18, 19 game weeks, ready for next season again. Yeah. I have a, a mate, and this is his first year doing the draft, 
and come game week, I think it was 13, he said, I'm going to take it fully serious now for the second half of the season because he said the first half, he was still learning, still figuring it out. He taught the waivers because I was an admin. He taught I had to approve the, approve the waivers. And he was like, he was saying, oh, you're a bollocks. You're not approving any of my waivers. Why are you giving it to all the other boys? <laughs> Things like that. Um, so, yeah. It pick is, it up along the it way. It does take, yeah, he is picking it up. But now he's going home for the second half of the season. Yeah, one of the fastest growing fantasy sports, FPL draft. I think in the next five or six years, it's going to be absolutely massive. So get on it now. Get all your mates involved. If you haven't started a league or you're in with maybe someone else, Get another crew. Start another crew for the second half of the season. Even if you have two going, it's still uh, exciting. I think there is kind of a max. If you go over two, you kind of dilute your entertainment a small bit. So two is probably enough to keep you going. So yeah, if you have any friends that haven't played it before, give them a shout. We will continue on as normal and we're going to go through questions. I know the last couple of podcasts we've just focused on waivers because of the quick turnaround and we couldn't really get enough questions in, but this week we're going to go back to our questions and we have loads in. Start fairly quick and fairly simple. Someone asked about Fulham assets and the first two or three questions, we're essentially just going to refer you to the waivers. So question regarding Fulham assets, we're going to talk about a couple of them um, throughout the podcast, but there's also going to be a couple in the waivers as well. Second question was about defenders. What defenders should I celebrate Christmas with? And again, we're going to give a full list of waivers in. Uh, we're going to give a full list of defenders in the waiver section, as well as talk about some sought-after players. I suppose a couple of people ask about trades, and maybe the answer to some of these midfielder trades is to go for a defender. I know there's not many this year that have been returning clean sheets consistently, but over the next couple of game weeks, there is a couple that you can target that hopefully might you know be fruitful for you. Yeah, a lot of the examples that were given, their midfielders were already fairly stacked. And it can be an issue sometimes when you do have a very stacked midfield that some players might play. You won't be looking on the waivers. You'd be fixated on your on your team because, oh, I have Rashford. I have to keep him. Mm-hmm. So in the waiver suggestions towards the end of the podcast, we will give examples of yeah what defenders you could maybe get across in a double trade. To You may give away a, a, a relatively decent midfielder but you could get a very good defender. Exactly, and kind of balance out your team a bit more. I've had it uh, the last couple of weeks where I'm looking at my midfield, and although they're very good midfielders, five fantastic midfielders that I wouldn't put on the waiver, kind of tick at the same time, because I'm like, oh, I'm missing out on loads of these waivers that I'm I'm given in suggestion um, that I would love in my team, and that have returned fairly well, and that I probably could have got more points from. But again, it's all based on the team, and and how you feel your team should be more balanced. If you want to go all attackers, that's fine. You know, but I think having a, a, a balance of the team will probably be better over the long term. Question three is regarding Chelsea midfielders. Um, and who should I go for? And that kind of comes into a question that another person asked, and we kind of do both them together. The question was, Adingra, Ramsey, Mudrick, and Andres Pereira. Who should I get in for McNeil? and Lewis Potter. First and foremost, Lewis Potter was a punt last week. Played, but didn't return. Now is time to get rid for them punts again. They're one week. Regarding McNeil, McNeil has been impressive over the last couple of game weeks and was very unlucky not to return 
the last game week so I wouldn't be in too much of a rush to get rid of McNeil I know Everton have you know so so fixtures coming up they play Burnley next week so yeah keep him for the Burnley game and see how he gets on and then see how you feel after that if you really want to keep him um, do but I wouldn't be just getting rid of McNeil straight away Everton have been decent going forward uh, he's always been involved and as I said, he should have got an assist for Calvert-Lewin the last day. What a ball through. Savage. Uh, yeah. So, him along with, I suppose while we're on Everton, Harrison is a fantastic option as well. Harrison, if you've seen a Twitter post that we had there during the week, the last two game weeks, sorry, prior to game week 16, Harrison should have had two assists. Like, he assisted it. But like, there was the slightest touch or a defender, like, it skimmed off his hair. And he didn't get the assist. So if you had Harrison, you've been very unlucky. Don't be too disheartened because he, he had a, a fantastic shot against Sanchez. Sanchez made a great save, yeah, knocked it onto on the post. Yeah. Um, that, that was Harrison? That, that was Harrison. Yeah, exactly. And, um, left foot. Left foot. So Harrison and McNeil, definitely for this game week, are two good punts. Uh, maybe after that, because of the fixtures, you want to look elsewhere. But if you're looking at them four players that we're talking about... Andres, Mudrick, Ramsey and Adingra if we had to kind of look at them assess them and order them I would still be putting Andres Pereira number one just because again as you said a couple of times before the podcast Jaxie that Fulham's numbers are inflated they've won on aggregate 10-0 in the last two game weeks it's not going to happen every week essentially every Fulham player has got involved in some respect so Although they are very good, they will be slightly inflated. Don't expect returns every week. But Andres Pereira also could have had more returns last game week. Got an assist. Could have assisted Wilson. Another player we'll talk about. So, Fulham's fixtures are good over the next while. They play Newcastle this week. Then they play Burnley and Bournemouth. Home and away. Arsenal-Chelsea. So, again, when we talk about like Andres Pereira and uh, Wilson and all these players that we're going to eventually talk about in the podcast... Yes, they're good options, but they're also easily benched. So if you have a Harry Wilson, if you have a Andres Pereira, a Wobie, all these players that we will eventually talk about in rank, um, you can easily bench him for the Arsenal-Chelsea game if you want. And then you can play him in game week 22, 23, 24, Everton, Burnley and Bournemouth. So why I put Andres Pereira here over Mudrick, Ramsey and Adingra is because I can see five fixtures, good fixtures, over the next eight game weeks that yeah. you can play and be happy and look at the fixture and, and be kind of relatively excited about what could happen. One um, goal and six assists so far this season. And on set pieces, Andres we're talking about here, on yep. set pieces, um, playing very well, back in the team, back in a very good Fulham side who have probably some of the best form um, yep. in, in the Premier League recently. And Jimenez is coming into form as well, returning more, being more clinical. So We talked about that last week. You said Fulham are good going forward, but they don't have that much of a striker. And now they ha- are good going forward, and him and his starting to hit form. So maybe they will tick along. I don't expect them to win 3 4 nil every game. But yeah, Andres Pereira, I would pick number one. If we look at the other options, if you still really want some of them, um, there's a couple of, couple of uh, flaky boys here. Ramsey came on. Ramsey came on. Came on. Came on for Tielemans after came on for 46 Tielemans. minutes. That's right. Or 55 so minutes. It is shown that he's back fit. Villa have a fantastic run of fixtures. So if you wanted to pick up Ramsey, I'd still be patient with him. I know he said like be patient with the likes of Garnacho last week, but I'd, I'd still definitely be patient with him because uh, their fixtures are Brentford away. Brentford are struggling because they have a lot of injuries. So he still could be you know, fairly decent 
fairly soon. But then they play Sheffield, United, Burnley, Everton, Newcastle, Sheffield, United, Fulham, Forest, Luton. So even the likes of United in there twice. Um, the only other team that you can see them or, or you know might be iffy about them scoring is the Newcastle game at home. Yep. Right? Now the problem with Ramsey and why I put Andres over there is Ramsey's not nailed yet. Yeah. If he becomes nailed, um, definitely fantastic option. But we talked about him uh, loads of times over the last couple of weeks, being like when he starts and when he starts. What you're going for with Jack- Jacob Ramsey is the possibility of him starting and being a fantastic option. Around this Christmas period, we said that very important to get nailed players. If Ramsey doesn't start against Brentford. What you're going to wave him out, wave him out before Sheffield. If he doesn't start against Sheffield, you kind of lost two fixtures there. I still think he's a good option if you have space and are willing to maybe take one more bench in and then have a very good asset. But if you're struggling and you need someone to come in and make an impact straight away, um, or maybe be a more consistent nail player, Andres might be better. Talking about Adingra, who's on the list, we talked about him last week as well. He's gone away to the AFCON 21-24 and although he returned last week you know it was kind of against Burnley I was very happy to return Uh, I still am fearful of that Brighton rotation and inevitably when it comes to game week 21 which is not that far away you're going to have to waver him out anyways if you're looking even at Jacob Ramsey and Andres you could be looking at 6-7-8 game weeks um, you know from now until then Uh, Dingra it's a bit more short term and then Mudrick, who on paper looks like a great option, and, and this kind of goes into um, the question that we originally started with, Chelsea midfielders. Mudrick has started, I think, the last three games, and has played very well. And the, the, that's the kind of issue, that he's played very well. He's started. But if you look at that Chelsea midfield... Two assists in the last three games. Exactly. So he's actually performed, yep. which kind of... I don't like it in a way. Because I'm like, oh, obviously he's going to be a perfect pick. Like, get him in against uh, Sheffield. But the problem there is, if you look at Chelsea midfield, Chelsea's midfielder, who's going to play it? We'll talk about the back four in a while. But in that midfield, Enzo and Caicedo, I think they have to play because they're new signings and they've played well recently. And they need that for the balance. Uh, we look at the other two best players, Sterling and Palmer. I know Sterling got the rest last week. But I don't expect that to continue. I think he's going to have to play if they want to play well. Yep. Palmer has been probably their best player this season. And Conor Gallagher is the vice captain. Yep. James is now out, injured. And apart from the red card, I think Gallagher has started nearly every game this season. And I still think he's going to continue to start. So where does Mudrick fit in there? I still think Mudrick, if you wanted to take a punt, will get minutes over the next five, six, seven game weeks. But I just don't expect him to start every game. I don't expect him to come into that Chelsea side and take Sterling's or take Palmer's spot. And that's the problem. If he was a number 10, and the only other option, I suppose, is drop Connor Gallagher, put Palmer number 10, and put Mudrick on the wing. And that could be an option. But I just think... <laughs> and they're three relatively boring players, although they're steady. Enzo, Caicedo, and Gallagher. I think Poch wants to play all them three yeah. All the time. Uh, I think Mudrick definitely a very exciting pick, but I would just be worried that over the next five or six that he's gonna get two or three benchings and are you gonna do you want someone that's gonna get two or three benchings that might score a goal? Or do you want someone that's nearly nailed all the time with good fixtures that has still the possibility of scoring on set pieces, so on and so forth. And if you really wanted to get rid of McNeil, 
I'd probably take a punt on Ramsey being a bit of a long-term hold. Hopefully, he gets in the team. I wouldn't be too excited to do that. I wouldn't do it myself. As I said, personally, I'd keep McNeil and get in Andres for Lewis Potter. And it wasn't like Tielemans played bad when he did play. Tielemans has played that's relatively the, that's well. That's the problem with Jacob Ramsey. That Villa are playing very well. Bailey's playing well. Tielemans is playing well. Douglas Louise is suspended. And that's probably the biggest plus for Jacob Ramsey this week is that he could get in in place of Douglas Louise and maybe get his way into the team. Yeah. So it is a bit of a punt and kind of a a bit of a hope that you might have him for the next five, six, seven game weeks. As we said, Villa's fixtures are very good. Kind of staying on Chelsea, someone asked, um, Gusto, is he worth a punt? And since the game week, there has been a lot of Chelsea injuries. James is out, again, hamstring. That could be another couple of weeks. I just forget about James. Um, Cucurella came off late with a twisted ankle. I presume that puts him out for game week 17. Thiago Silva didn't start. And as we said, it's because he's literally oh, like 40. 40 years of age. <laughs> so my prediction at the Chelsea backline this weekend is Colwell left back. I think Thiago Silva comes back in there with uh, Barrio Chile and then De Sassi plays right back. Now that, I suppose, depends on Gusto's fitness. Gusto's currently at 50% and I suppose the risk you have to take is Gusto play 90 minutes or play whatever he's fit to play yeah. or doesn't play at all. So I suppose the options are zero pointer for Gusto, doesn't play, not fit enough or possibly a six pointer. Now we could obviously have anything in between. Right, yeah. or you get in someone that maybe get a two pointer and has the possibility of a clean sheet. Now, the only thing with Gusto is that well, if he is fit to play, and James is out for a while, will that be Gusto's spot to take for the foreseeable? I think if you're taking the punt on Gusto, I think you have to ride the wave. I I think he might miss this game week, and there's still definitely going to be some rotation. We've seen that a lot this year with Desassi, Barishile. Desassi can play right back. Um, Thiago Silva obviously has played majority games this season. So I personally, again, wouldn't be going Gusto unless I hear some positive news from now until then. I would be looking at De Sassi. And I suppose we can kind of come on to another question that De Sassi is one of the answers to, just because he can play centre-back and right-back, is regarding Grealish. And there's two questions about Grealish, and we can kind of integrate them into uh, the Chelsea um, possibilities of players. Haaland, I have Haaland, Doku and Grealish. I'm looking to offload Grealish. Who could I get for him? Again, you never really want the two players, especially in the same position, yeah. and especially Grealish. And the other question and especially, was... Especially, yeah, but the three City players, that's enough Vedic. 100%. And the other question was, Eze, I have Eze, Bruno, Douglas Louise, and Grealish. and looking to offload Grealish for someone that's a bit more nailed because obviously Eze injured... Bruno suspended and Douglas Luiz suspended. I'll, I'll talk more about the, the second part of that question in a bit, but just on Grealish. We said maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, someone asked about Grealish, what do I do? He's worth nothing. Yeah. Do I waver him? Who do I waver him for? I don't want to give away a City player. And we kind of said, the only thing you can do with Grealish is bite the bullet now, or if you are keeping him, wait until he returns and plays, and then look for a trade. And that's what's happened. I think now, if you have Grealish, I think is the time to trade. Because in five weeks' time, we're going to be back at the same place we were. He's getting rotated with Doku. 
Um, he doesn't play some games, he plays others, you don't really like him and you want to waver him. So now is the prime time to trade Grealish. I know you might look at him and say, Jesus, oh my God, maybe I have a, a left winger for City. But I guarantee in a couple of game weeks time he's going to be another headache. If you think about it on a graph, Jack Grealish is up very high at the moment. And he may, over the next two game weeks, he may go up even higher after that. But following on from game week 19, mm-hmm. that graph is just going to go down and down and down. Because Doku is going to come back in. It's going to be rotation. He's going to be left out of the team. So although he may be valuable for these next two game weeks, after that, the valuation of Grealish is going to go down. Or so at least fluctuate. And you don't like fluctuate yeah. because of his starts and his returns. And you don't know what. And no one else wants to take a player that they haven't a clue what to do with. Yeah. But right now, maybe they do. Yeah. Maybe they think, well, talk who's injured. And that's the perfect time as well because it's not just Grealish played. Doku's flagged. Now, I do expect Doku to come back either this game week or the game week after. So it's going to be even more immediate for the Grealish headache. Yeah. So some players, and the reason we're talking about this when we talk about Disassi is maybe you want to get in a defender. That person that has Haaland, Doku and Grealish, maybe you want to diversify your team and balance your team as we said about, or we talked about at the start. Maybe you want to get a Disassi in. And Disassi is probably a bit more nailed than um, the likes of Gusto and Thiago Silva because he can play centre-back and right-back. Or a Colwell who can play left-back and centre-back. They're going to be very high on people's lists but maybe you want to do a double trade with Grealish and a decent defender for a very good I was going to say a very good Chelsea defender. They haven't kept a serious amount of clean sheets this year, but they have that unbelievable run of fixtures for the next five. And uh, yeah, maybe you want to diversify your team. If you're looking at other players that you maybe want to get over the line for Grealish, I suppose a lot of the players that we've talked about in our watch list over the last couple of game weeks are still relevant. Um, Bailey again comes on, or sorry, plays 45 minutes, gets an assist. He was actually first first to mind when I was thinking there. Who who could you waver in for Grealish? Who would be of um that similar pecking order? Bailey higher higher now because obviously he's returning. It doesn't matter how many minutes he plays, he gets something. Um, Andres Pereira, if he's taken in leagues, Andres Pereira, I would love to have. And do you know what's good about Andres? He didn't go off like a couple of them. So maybe he's going slightly under the radar with his you know fives and six pointers rather than a fourteen pointer. Um. Just, that's what I was just going to check there was Andreas Pereira's points yeah 6, 15 okay, cup, yeah. couple of 2's 3's 5's so like as you mentioned he's not one of those players that might skyrocket and be overinflated. He's he's good to keep ticking along mm-hmm. he'll just keep those points ticking along for you um, other players could be like Kulisevsky obviously is going to be very high now with his recent returns but he didn't return the last game week and he could have so easily assist for Brennan Johnson playing in a number 10 role with a Spurs side who we're going to talk about in essentially the next question um, about why it's good to have any Spurs asset McNeil Harrison I know they don't seem that exciting and maybe they are on the waiver but they're playing Burnley they're more in form and will play more consistently than Grealish yeah so I know it might seem if you picked him up in the draft night you think oh my god I can't get a McNeil for a Grealish but sometimes you have to bite the bullet and think about who is a consistent player that has a relatively decent chance of returning with some decent fixtures and you kind of have to sometimes take the the value we talked about Foden uh, ourselves over the weekend Mm -hmm. about how he always has an overinflated value but if you look at his returns 
they don't match up with his value. And sometimes players are like that. They have an overinflated value because maybe the team they play for or people's ideology of them. And sometimes you have to bite the bullet and go for a player that you don't think is as explosive, but will probably be a more consistent point uh, rewarder for you over the next five, ten game weeks. So even if McNeil only gets you a 2.5, 3 points per game, it might be better than a Grealish 0 and a Grealish 3 and a Grealish 0. You know what I mean? Yeah, you maybe have to like take a step back from the name of the player mm-hmm. and just look at their returns so far this season how informed they are how um, how consistent they are and their fixtures because yeah you you could easily overlook a McNeil yeah now we're hyping up McNeil a big time but just examples like Decore yeah Decore, Decore yeah. he's always everyone's always has slight doubts about him he's slightly undervalued most of the time right now he's obviously overvalued a fantastic player to get in 100% if you could get a Decora for a Grealish I would take it in a heartbeat so players like that that are middle of the road that you mightn't think aren't as explosive now is the time to get a more consistent player for that kind of overinflated Grealish and as we said that could be a defender the other question about Grealish um, was the Eze Bruno Douglas Luiz situation and what I'd say here first and foremost is sometimes you especially in a head to head you might actually overvalue winning that game week. Because imagine you get rid of... You can't get rid of a Grealish for some reason. Maybe a wave or someone in. You might be tempted to get rid of a Douglas Louise or an Eze or a Bruno because you want to win that game week. I'm not saying give up on the game week. But I'm just saying not to totally dismantle your team just to get the win because what if you just lose in the end anyways? Sometimes yeah. it just goes against you that you lose and no matter what you could have done, it wouldn't have helped. So don't go dismantling you've done well to pick up Eze earlier hopefully he'll be back in the next two or three game weeks Bruno we know is one game week Douglas Louise we know is one game week so although this week like normal fantasy might be relatively frustrating to look at your team next week it might be fine so maybe just look to get a Grealish trade over the line uh, maybe if you really want to get him out and you need a starting player and you're worried about him get a waiver over the line for him but I wouldn't go tearing your team apart yeah, it's like maybe Taking one step back to go two steps forward. 100%. Although you, the possibility of maybe taking a hit this week of losing the game. But in the long run, you could win two or three on the hop. Yeah, with the likes of Douglas Louise with a great run of fixtures and him in form on set pieces, penalties. Eze hopefully coming back. If you, if you wanted to, I suppose the only other option is to get rid of Eze because we haven't had firm news on that injury um, and you don't want to hold him. Maybe you looked the waivers to get out Eze and Grealish and shore up your team a small bit more just so that you have maybe starting 11. But I wouldn't go dismantling it. Another similar question was, I have Alanga, Olise and Mbwemo. What do I do? Now, on Mbwemo, I think you have to get rid because his his injury looks like six or seven game weeks. And that would bring us up to, again, the Afghan. So even if he's back for game week 21, 22... I presume his country is going to want him to go maybe he will miss that and he'll only be out for the 6 or 7 weeks and come back and play Premier League football but we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago about how long do you keep someone How lo- what is the minimum you keep someone and I know he's a fantastic pick this year but when it's going on the likes of 7 game weeks with you know kind of unconfirmed news it's kind of getting to the stage where you have to look elsewhere unless it's someone you really really want now Mbwemo this year has been a, a marvellous pick because his positioning and set pieces and penalties and everything. 
but I think there's only so much you can do in terms of holding players. I think you'd probably look to get him out just because that AFCON looms as well. So yep. it's essentially minimum going to be 24. Game week 17 coming up, that's a seven game weeks. You're going to lose a lot of points. When you're coming up to game week 24, you only have another, what, 14 game weeks. Yeah. So you're you're if you keep Bwemo for the rest of the season, you're only getting 60% and as game well, time. We do have a transfer window coming up as well. So if you do get rid of uh, Mbwemo, there's a possibility of getting someone who's transferred in off the waivers. Big time. And that's actually something I was going to talk about at the start. There's going to be a massive influx of players over the next while. So if the waivers look a bit dead, don't worry because we're going to have loads of new exciting options to to boister your team. Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boister your team in the new year. One of the last questions before we go into our waivers is a tough one. Rashford, Richarlison, Rodri. What's the story? How do you rank them? I think, yeah, when we discussed it earlier on, Rashford, did he get any minutes the last day? I think he got 11 minutes. 11 minutes. So Rashford, who, yeah, on paper, before this season started, you'd be thinking, oh, great pick, playing with United, was in serious form last year. Rodri, playing with arguably the best team in the league, but he is in that CDM role. And then you look at Richarlison, who is looked as a bit of a meme sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know all of us here, we do have a great laugh out of Richarlison just because he's an absolute menace and he's a great asset to the Premier League. But playing with a very attacking Spurs side, and he has got lots of chances, and up until last week, he has failed to finish a lot of the chances that he has got. And he was out uh, for with injury for a while as well. But with that being said, I do personally think that with Spurs' attacking football, with Ange coming in and saying that Sonny's best position is the wing. That's a massive. And he want, he he's a big fan of Richardson as well. Yeah, I thought when um, when Johnson came back and he was looking at as a, a Richardson as a winger that Richardson's kind of days were numbered but if he's looking at him as a striker which he has said it changes everything because if San is definitely playing left wing who else is going to play up top possibly Brennan Johnson but we haven't seen that at all with Spurs so I think he could be one of the nailed Spurs attacker in one of the most in the uh, in terms of stats the most attacking side in the Premier League they are I think averaging two goals per game expected goals per game and if you look at the expected goals chart, a lot of teams, there's a bit of discrepancy where they're like overperforming or underperforming. Spurs are top and they're performing exactly, essentially, to their XG. There's only a 0.07 difference. Whereas you look at Liverpool, they're second. There's a 0.28 difference. So the stats line up perfectly for Spurs. They are attacking. The stats prove it. The goals prove it. If Richardson can nail down a position up top for Spurs, I think he's going to be a great asset. Problem I have personally with Richardson is that he will fluctuate. Right now he's really, really inflated, and I just always am reluctant to go against a big, big player like Rashford when they're the rock bottom. It's so easy because you're looking at the stock market of players and you're thinking, "Yeah, well, this one's really high. He's going to go up even more." Yeah. But at the same time, what happens in two weeks' time if Rashford gets back in and bangs two games in a row and you want to change Richarlison for um, Rashford? I think it's a very, very difficult decision and I never thought I'd say that 
this season at all. Um, I think Rashford. I know Roy Keane had a bit of a go at players for confidence, being like, "Oh, he doesn't. His confidence isn't up this season. And it was the same last season." But it's true. Rashford is a massive confidence player. Mm-hmm. If he does bang two goals in a row, he could could bang ten games in a row. I think you have to put it in the perspective of if I have an option there, if I have Rashford in my team and I'm offered Richarlison in a trade, what do you do? What are you doing? I am taking Richarlison. It's mad. Because, because you have to look in the short term. I think because he's playing as a striker and he's down as a midfielder as well. I know. I think you're convincing me here, man. Because in my head, when this question was asked, I'm like, you can't give up Rashford. But again, I have to take the name away from the player. If I'm always looking at, well, Rashford's a great pick. Well, if you look at it on the surface and someone came in and asked... Danny Ings is a great player as well. You want to pick him? Yeah. (laughs) If you look at the surface and someone comes in and was like, oh, which of these is better? And they look at all the stats and they'd say, oh, well, Richarlison, he's playing in a very attacking side up top. Um, Rashford is playing on the wing, rotated on a poor United side currently. If you look in the short term, Richarlison is the pick over Rashford. And then you have Rodri in there. What to do with Rodri? Yeah, I think Rodri has to come third in that list because um, they miss a game week and he's playing CDM. I know that doesn't stop him in the past, but I think in terms of ceilings, I think even if Rashford gets a goal or two, you're going to be able to trade kind of bigger players for Rashford. I think Rodri always has that kind of, as you said, stable, kind of slightly inflated value for a CDM. Yeah. But I think I'd have to go on the short term very very short term to attack fixtures Richarlison playing up top Rashford and then Rodri on to our waiver section of the podcast starting off goalkeepers there has been massive changes in goalkeepers over the last couple of weeks especially the last two or three weeks so a couple of players that were options that are definitely not options anymore. Bentley dropped this game week, so we'll probably get rid of him. Kelleher also dropped for Allison, another person to get rid of. And Vlachodemus has been rotated with Turner. Randomly, I suppose that was after the 5-0 loss, so yep. uh, he likes to change things after maybe they've made mistakes or played poor. Yep. That's I mean, still up for... Seeing Nico Williams come into the team as well. There's always changes at Forest, so... If you had Vlachodemus, maybe it's a hold and see what happens this week. But if he doesn't start another game in a row, maybe Turner might be a pick-up after that. Uh, I would be kind of reluctant on going Turner straight away again and losing Vlachodemus if, you know, your second keeper um, is not playing, just so that you don't have two non-playing keepers. But, although there is um, rotation with the Forest keepers, if you are looking for nail keepers now, there's definitely more options. Yeah, there's a couple of more options as well in other teams. Sanchez came off late for Chelsea and looked like he picked up an injury, but came off so disappointed. And I think that's two things. I think it's the fact that he's got injured, but also coupled with the fact that he hasn't been playing very well and maybe he's felt disappointed because maybe he's lost his chance or maybe he thinks that the new keeper, Petro- Petrovic, Petrovic, Petrovic got yeah. in. Um, maybe he has an opportunity to take his place now. If you're looking for maybe a punt this week um, Petrovic in goal for Chelsea against Sheffield is going to be a great option and then hope that maybe he gets in in the long term over them nice five fixtures in a row another player that has been rotated or will be injured is Johnston Johnston uh, looks like 
it's an unknown return date currently. It might be only a couple of weeks. And Matthews came on late for Palace. The problem with that is Palace are bottom of the fixture ticker. They play City, Brighton, Chelsea, Brentford and Arsenal in the next five. So even though he's an option, he doesn't have good fixtures. And Palace have a serious amount of injuries, which we'll talk about later on. Another player that got rotated over the last two because of injury is Ariola. Fabianski played the last two game weeks. But it looks like Ariola might be back in line for a start in game week 17. Maybe the only option here is to do a double up with Ariola and Fabianski. What I don't like about that is it's West Ham and they're terrible at the back. If you have Ariola, I think maybe stick and hopefully he gets back in this week. But yeah, there's definitely a couple of options. Petrovic, probably the best one out of that. Might be a short term punt, but because of them fixtures, it might be worth it. We've seen with Newcastle. When Pope was out injured, that who's the Newcastle goalie? Dubravka. When Dubravka came in, you're like, oh hey, Dubravka could be a great option. But Newcastle are still conceding. Mm-hmm. So although yeah, they are now available because the main keeper is injured. Often the second choice keeper isn't as good. Isn't as good, and I thought Dubravka would fit in there perfectly. And now they're looking to new keepers in the transfer window. So there you go, transfer but I think, window. I think in this instance. Because Chelsea have such good fixtures, uh, Petrovic mm-hmm. can't be overlooked. Yeah. And, you know, if you are stuck for a keeper, give it two or three weeks, and a lot of these clubs are probably going to look to improve. If we look at our defenders in larger size leagues, the first person we have on our list is Nathan Patterson. And we have him down because of injuries in the Everton, Everton squad. Um, Ashley Young came off injured Seamus Coleman came back from injury injured again that looks like maybe it could be the end of him unfortunately Patterson actually a a very good footballer they play Burnley this week and he's got two assists this season already when he plays he looks like he could be the next right back for Everton I'm surprised he hasn't got in more but he's a good shout against Burnley now Burnley aren't the worst attacking side so that's why we have him kind of bottom of the list he's definitely going to be an option this week if you look at or you want to attack a fixture, Burnley, always a good fixture to attack. Everton have kept two clean sheets in their last two games, um, but don't be too surprised if Burnley score. Yeah. You could be looking towards um, attacking returns when you pick up Patterson, but yeah, he's going to be a good option if you're really, really stuck in a large size league and you're looking for someone to bring in. He might go under the radar just because he hasn't played that much this year. And because of injuries as you mentioned it will be an exciting weekend for you as well playing against Burnley getting in this player just for one week in those larger size leagues yeah with two assists already he has the potential potential to get returns in a great fixture so yeah I wouldn't see why why not yeah you'd overlook him if you really needed a defender next up is Lewis Hall and Lewis Hall is down on the list again because of suspensions Trippier is suspended for game week 17 and although Hall hasn't been trusted really that much this year now is another chance for him to get in there. They play Fulham, and we've talked a lot about Fulham and how they are good attacking. But at home, Newcastle are different. Maybe a bit of fresh legs is what Newcastle need. A lot of their team looked tired in the last couple of game weeks. And at home, they've kept five clean sheets in the last like 10 games. United, clean sheet, Arsenal, Palace, Burnley, Brentford. So although they are playing a good attacking Fulham side, if you are looking to attack a home fixture for a team that have been, throughout the the last 10 game weeks, have been very good at home, Hall could be a good option. I presume Trippier is going to come back 
in game week 18 but a one week punt in a probably better defence overall than Everton Hall could be a good option so Newcastle's back four next is going to be Hall Lascelles Cher uh, Cher and Livramento yes that's probably another option or another issue as well that it's not that nailed Newcastle defence that we have saw if yeah. although Lascelles I I do think he has been impressive when he has played. Yeah, they all they all have been impressive in their own right. But I think if this was a normal Newcastle side with Botman and and um, and Burn and all the boys, I think he'd be a great option. Play. Oh, lovely! You'd be looking at a clean sheet. But just because of the way things have worked out this year, Hall is a decent option, just because of the fixture and mainly because at home. Um, I've seen a serious amount of results. Kind of, I would say, I wouldn't say like surprise results, but definitely different results than I expected because the team are at home and Newcastle yeah. at home defensively they have been way way better than away next up in our defenders for larger size leagues is Moreno and Moreno is nearly short start this week because Lucas Dean has picked up five yellow cards he's left it a bit later this year than usual usually he's gone a couple of game weeks prior to this but Moreno has been tipped to challenge Digne over the last couple of weeks hasn't got in there hasn't started since his injury but this week he's probably going to start against Brentford nearly as I said guaranteed this could be the chance for Moreno to take a spot now the problem with that is that Digne and Villa have been very good if Digne and Villa were poor maybe it'd be like oh Moreno's going to take a spot but he has an opportunity this week against Brentford as we said Brentford are light in terms of their squad over the last couple of game weeks so um, although in normal times Brentford away wouldn't be the best fixture, this week it's probably slightly better than usual. And Moreno had a fantastic finish to last season as well, so he's a very good player. And yeah, he has the potential to get in there. Yeah. So it's not like you get him in, you have to get rid of him. Maybe you want to keep him for the Sheffield game the week after and hope that maybe he stakes his claim. I still think there's always going to be a rotation. Like, I find it hard for Digne just to go to the bench and, and stay there. But Moreno, this week, definitely is a good option. If we're looking a bit longer term, Dowie of Luton has been impressive when he plays. And although Luton aren't great at the back, he has posted some very good attacking numbers. On set pieces, um, and has a fantastic whip. On corners, set pieces, always puts it into a good area. And we know Luton are a team that are definitely going to look through the air to get some returns the thing I like about him is that although Luton have um, Newcastle and Chelsea in the next five they also have Bournemouth Sheffield and Burnley so you can bench him and rotate him but the problem is all them green fixtures are away from home and we know that Luton at home are again a different side so yeah if you want a player from them three fixtures great I'd be looking towards attacking returns the problem is they're away from home and Luton are different, a different ball game altogether. He's got three assists this season already and created three big chances. So he is a good option in that rotation role as a defender, but be weary that them three games that you want to attack are away from home. And I was just saying to Steve before the podcast as well, he did pick up a yellow card in last game week, but that was against Man City. They were under a lot of pressure in that game. So inevitably he was going to get a yellow card. He's not in the same bracket as your Luca Dean, who's a yellow card merchant. Yeah, that's that's very likely. If you're wondering who Steve is, that's me. Uh, that's my <laughs> first name. <laughs> On to defenders in smaller size leagues. And we have a good few options 
obviously these Bournemouth boys are going to be like gold dust because of what happened last week. And if you were listening to the podcast and got a few of them in, fair play to you. We didn't actually tip them on the YouTube, so a little bit of exclusive content on the or on the podcast last week. Not that it was genius, but you know, at least you got them a week early, hopefully. Uh, we won our content creators draft with Senesi coming off the bench. And I suppose he's going to be one of our number one picks in terms of that defense. If we had to rank them, because any one of them are going to be good over the next three. Bournemouth are one of the most informed teams in the Premier League. In the last five games, they've won four, drawn one. And their next three fixtures are Luton, Forest, and Fulham. Two of them are at home. So if we had to pick up any Bournemouth defender, if some people are sleeping on the waivers, Senesi, because of his aerial threat and his actual numbers that he's posted, has to be number one. Kirkes, who has been rotated previous, but in the last couple of game weeks has been nailed down, is a nice, exciting pick left back. He's also got an assist recently, and I just like him. I know Zabarni, who I'm going to put third, ha- again has that aerial threat, and the uh, goal that Senesi scored, Zabarni could have got his head to it. I just like Kirkes. I think you're not always going to score from the head, and Kirkes has that, um, I suppose, that threat from some crosses. I do recall in the first couple of game weeks of this season when we were watching Bournemouth play although they weren't playing fantastic we were looking at Kirkett yeah. and he was playing well he was one of the better players I remember mentioning him so maybe that's why you have him because I have a bit of a fondness for him but Kirkett Zabarni obviously and then Smith fourth Smith fourth because Max Ahrens could be back for that Fulham fixture so you mightn't actually get the three full fixtures out of Smith at right back but for the next game week, Luton and Forrest even, just for the next two, going to be a good option. Moving on to defenders in our smaller size leagues. Top of the list, Douglas, uh, sorry, Diego Carlos is going to be a great option. Cash seems to have lost his place. And the reason I'd be a small bit hesitant about Diego Carlos is Cash is still there waiting in the wings. Diego Carlos has played centre-back and uh, Konza can also play right-back. They've played together in a five before. So there is many options where Diego Carlos can come into the team. I would still pick him up and, and take your chance. Villa's fixtures over the next 10 game weeks are fantastic. I think there is... I think there's seven there. Seven fixtures that are two in the FDR. Villa have been fantastic the last couple of game weeks. And my thinking is that if they get up to game week like 25, 6, and they're still in the hunt, I think they're going to play... I think they're going to might be a bit more reserved and look for a more clean sheets and maybe get points and try and win Europe rather than this is just my old tactical head of me yeah that kind of change from the way they're playing currently they have been very attacking and I think maybe they want to take a step back from that maybe Emery doesn't change his ways but I think maybe in a couple of game weeks time they kind of like oh shit we have a good chance of getting Europe here we maybe need to steady the ship yeah. so I think Diego Carlos even in a five might get a lot more game time than he previously has. Yeah, I was just thinking, we discussed throughout the season, Villa were playing a five at the back and then they were playing with a four at the back. Maybe Emery was just testing out which system fits the players better. Yeah. And maybe he's under the assumption now that the four at the back is su- suiting, suiting them better. Yeah. And that's why Cash is Cash fits in when it's five at the back because he plays great as a wing back. Yes. But, yeah, more solid as a four. Now, if Diego Carlos um, is available, but Konza is available, I'd definitely be going for Konza. So if Konza was available, I'd put him number one. If not, Diego Carlos is definitely a good substitute. And any of them Bournemouth players for the next three are fantastic. 
the reason I'd go Conza or the Villa boys is because they are a better side overall for the rest of the season Villa are going to be a better side and they have better fixtures over the long term I know Bournemouth are very very hot now because of the next three but over the next ten you'll rather have a Villa player it would, the Bournemouth boys would be more of that three week punt mm-hmm. and you'd be looking to get one Bournemouth player out of that four maybe maybe two uh, Bournemouth, Bournemouth defenders but yeah definitely just one for that for that three for that week three. Uh, three week swing on to midfielders in larger size leagues so 12 plus size leagues we talked about steady eddies the last two weeks and both of them have been Newcastle players Joe Linton banged last week so we said don't be surprised if he returns he's steady Eddie but he can score as well and it was a great finish Bruno Gamaraz was the other man both of them still if they're on the waivers and you want a steady Eddie very good Longstaff has been added to that list another Newcastle steady Eddie I suppose they're all steady Eddies over the next three where they play Fulham Luton and Forest because of the injuries to the Newcastle side Longstaff has scored two goals and two assists this season already so he has got I think he's the most attacking returns out of these three so he might be a steady Eddie alright but he has the ability to to get returns uh, driving forward with that ball so Longstaff definitely added him and Joel Linton I'd I'd rank higher than Bruno Gomez, obviously, even though Gomez had a great chance at the weekend. Um, he can strike them from distance. Sean Longstaff in a larger size league to steady the ship for the next three games is going to be a great option. Yeah, just on Sean Longstaff, um, we mentioned it, or Roy Keane mentioned it, or it was Gary yeah. Neville. I that, forget who it was, yeah. Uh, Rashford being from Manchester, it's like on his back to try get United out of this uh, tough spell. Maybe Sean Longstaff being from Newcastle maybe he will take some of that on his shoulder to get Newcastle out of this bad spell maybe he's going to be that steady Eddie who has a higher ceiling yeah and, and will fight for the club yeah so yeah Sean Longstaff I had a bit of a fondness for him last year as well I remember putting it into a group chat that I might waver in Sean Longstaff oh, yeah. and people kind of laughed at I, me why would I laughed yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, kind of, I was laughing at myself doing it but then he got an assist that weekend, so he does have the possibility of returning. On to our Fulham boys, and we talked about them a lot in the podcast already, so I suppose we'll briefly go over our rankings. Andres Pereira, number one. Um, I suppose even in smaller size leagues you can have him, but in larger size leagues, Andres Pereira, number one, because of set pieces and his nailness. Alex Awobi now looks like one of the most nailed players for Fulham and has been very, very impressive. And we would usually probably say William, but William picked up an injury and we said last week that he's 35 years of age. That opens the door, not only because of injury, but the performance of Wilson and Kearney have been fantastic over the last two game weeks. Wilson especially. So if you couldn't, I'd nearly put Wilson above Awobi just because of his set pieces and his ability as well. So maybe Wilson above Awobi. And then if you really want someone in that Fulham side, Tom Kearney, could be a good option. They have nice fixtures over the next eight game weeks. So if you want to pick and stick, I think, again, Wilson, sorry, um, Andres and Wobie are probably going to be more nailed over the next eight to ten. Wilson, I think, is trying to nail down his place. And Tom Kearney recently has nailed his place. So, again, Andres Pereira, a Wobie, a Wilson. Again, Wilson has that uh, set-piece threat. And then because of Williams' injury, Tom Kearney is also an option. Next player, again, hitting them Bournemouth boys, is Christie. I would probably have the likes of Andres Pereira over Christie, 
But if you're looking for someone in and around the Tom Kearney, uh, maybe Wilson genre, Christie is one of the most nailed players for Bournemouth this season in that number 10 role. I know there's more exciting players, possibly like Clivert or Billing, who got a goal last week, but again, nailness has to come into it. And if you're looking at them for three fixtures, you want them to start. We know they have them very good fixtures of Luton, Forrest and Fulham. He's got uh, two assists this season, playing that number 10 role, created six big chances. So if you're looking for some way into that Bournemouth team for a player that's uh, more nailed than a lot of the likes of Semenyo even, who is another good option for the next three weeks, Christie is a bit more solid. And playing alongside Slanky as well, who's in fantastic form, looks like a great finisher. Christie, if he does have the opportunity to assist Slanky, Slanky is going to finish. It looks like he's on the form of his life. Looking at a, a bit of a random midfield punt for this week, and although it's not too exciting, um, I suppose a couple of things have accumulated for this pick. Kovacic for City started the last game week. I know he had a slight injury um, throughout the season, but he started last week and I expect him to start again this week. The reason I pick him first and foremost is because of the availability of Pallet, or City players. City, if you look on the waiver, the, the, he could be the only one available that yeah. might play. You're looking at, yeah, Mateus Nunes, Oscar Bob, Sergio Gomez, Calvin Phillips. That's all that's Lew- there. Lewis probably won't play. You know, he could get rotated. Kovacic for one week against Palace is not a good or not a bad option because they have the likes of Edward injured, Johnson, Mitchell, Ayu suspended, Ez is injured, Lerma's flagged, and Decore is out for the foreseeable. So if you're looking for any way into that City team, Kovacic does have a good long-range shot on him. Kovacic might be a good way into that City team. I know it's not too exciting, but again, if you're looking on maybe a free agent and you're looking just to fill out 11 players and you're looking for someone to attack the fixture, Kovacic this week will be a good punt. Moving on to a bit more longer-term player, and we've mentioned him before, Dwight McNeil. Dwight McNeil, we said, uh, you know, is kind of going under the radar. Um, on some set pieces Everton have some good fixtures in the next five they have uh, Burnley they have Wolves and they have Fulham in there is also Spurs City and Villa so that might put you off you might be able to rotate McNeil in maybe a smaller size league so he's a good option he is going under the radar and should have probably got more returns over the last couple of game weeks so if you're looking for a player that you know will add to your midfield maybe if you have an injured player that you can rotate McNeil is a good option I do think if McNeil continues his form over the next couple of game weeks and for the rest of the season he'll be added to the FPL draft duo like waivers of the season yes definitely Decor is in there Suchek is in there and I think there's one more player in there yeah. But yeah, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, next is a player that did very well in the last game week with two assists is Tavernier. And a disallowed goal as well. Yeah, he was fantastic. On set pieces, Tavernier probably is taken in a lot of, of a lot of leagues, taken early because of these next three fixtures. But I, if he is available, I would get him straight away. Um, again, Bournemouth are one of the most informed teams. He's on an awful lot of set pieces and his whip is fantastic. So, yeah, he's kind of a no-brainer to add to your midfield and play for the next three weeks. Uh, set and forget hope of uh, a nice hope of returns. And in first place is another man we've talked a lot about, Richarlison. We said all the reasons why he's a good pick this week. 
and for the foreseeable Son playing left wing and saying that essentially he wants Richarlison up top Spurs extremely attacking and three very good fixtures in the next four and even if it's only a punt even if you get Richarlison for the next four and something happens he's one of them players that you don't mind throwing on the waiver again but I think if he continues to play up top he could be a little gem and we've doubted him so many times and he keeps proving us wrong so yeah. please please Richardson, if you're listening to this we believe in you now yeah. Okay, we actually believe you for the first time I think because there's times when I've had Richardson for 3-4 weeks and he didn't return and then I get rid of him and then that's when he returns Yeah. so that's why I'm so reluctant to recommend him now Yeah. but he, like all the stars align now all the stars align with Richard Harrison. <laughs> oh my god, here. It's gonna be the end of us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be cancelled after this. Yeah. On to on to our forward suggestions. And not very exciting as usual, especially in larger size leagues or smaller size leagues, a lot of them are gonna be taken. In larger size leagues, there is a couple of options if you don't have any playing strikers. First on our list and someone that is just there, not a big recommendation, but Mateta. Mateta has a, a seriously inflated returns this season he's got three assists with a 0.56 expected assists he has extremely tough fixtures so if you are looking for Mateta yeah you can pick him up but don't pick him up being like lovely I have a perfect playing striker now the Edward injury I don't think is too serious Um, so yeah Mateta is an option but he's probably not going to be the best I think if you had the likes of Morris as maybe one of your main strikers or your second or third striker Mateta would be an option to get in for Morris because mm-hmm. Morris yeah, has now lost his place yeah he's been rotated and again if you've uh, any sort of striker that's not playing or lost their place Mateta could be an improvement but when do you start him is the question you're going to start him against City or Brighton or Chelsea it's, well, it's going to be tough if you have Haaland in your team like last week and he didn't play then you're, another striker is going to have to come on so having Having a player like Mateta is just going to ensure you get two points, exactly. three points. Yeah, hopefully. Could be the winning and losing of the game week. Honestly. Next player is Maupay. And Maupay has been kind of in and out of the waivers over the last couple of weeks. But I think the AFCON has really influenced our decision here. Although they blank in game week 18 and that might be a reason for people to drop him on the waiver. And after that, they play Wolves, Palace and Forest in a row. And that is game week 21. After game week 21 to 24, in Buemois, we said, has gone to the AFCON and Wiss has also gone. So he's going to be, by default, essentially in with a shout of start in the next eight game weeks. And if you told me that you have a striker that could be on the waiver that starts the next eight game weeks, you know, you'd be happy to take him. So definitely rank him above Mateta. And I think ranking the highest, which is mad, is a Luton striker. Just because he's gotten the team and he's played... 90 minutes the last game week, bang twice. And they have, as we said, three nice fixtures over the next five where you can say, boom, I can start him here. Um, Adebayo for Luton. They play Bournemouth next week. And then two game weeks time after that, Sheffield. And then two game weeks time after that, Burnley. So you have a striker there that you can rotate for, you know, three of them five game weeks and, you know, play. And hopefully he's still in the team. Maybe Maupay might be a bit more settled pick because, as you said, you know, eight game weeks could be, you know, starting 90-minute man for the majority of them. Adebayo, to me, seems a bit more exciting. I yeah. don't know how. But I'm, I was thinking that as well. I know we're talking about Luton Town here, but... They're great to watch. Dowie has a great whip on him. And Adebayo 
is relatively good in the air as well. He banged his goal from a, a fantastic header. So, you know, that Doughty uh, at a bio combo could be... It's like a James War pro suche combo. Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for an aerial threat of a striker that's now got in the team that's probably going to be on the majority of waivers in all size leagues, Adebayo could be a great option. So hopefully any of them waivers get you the win. If we've given you any advice whatsoever over the last couple of game weeks, as always, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We're going to give you a condensed version of this. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter for injury updates, some last-minute punts. Richarlison was tipped on Twitter last week, so make sure you keep up to date. Obviously, we can only put out a podcast once a week, but on Twitter, we're going to be always doing constant updates. If there's any changes, we'll let you know. So make sure you're following, and hopefully you get the W. FPL, draft your out. Boom!